have been elected in the past few years with the help of bazillionaire George Soros funding them in their campaigns with millions of dollars. I'll give you an example. Right here in my little sleepy city of Shreveport, Louisiana, the district attorney here, out of nowhere, now this was four years ago, he got a $200,000 campaign contribution from George Soros. This district attorney is African-American and he's a Democrat, but let me tell you this. This guy, I've known him for a long time. He's straight as a string. I guess maybe Soros got the picture of maybe George was being racist by painting this DA with the cult, with the uh, the paintbrush of racism because he's black and a Democrat. He must be far left. So Boudin is gone. Now, what does that mean? Well, the mayor is going to have to um, appoint a temporary district attorney because Boudin's got to he's got to get out of town in just about the next week to 10 days. He's toast. And then they'll have a special election to find a new uh, new district attorney to replace Boudin. That's the big election news. There were other things that happened, but their primaries, there were really no big upsets. Really none. And that surprised me. I figured with so much up and down and back and forth and anger and hatred and vitriol, in politics today, it's even worse than it's ever been. I figured there'd be some real big upsets in primaries, but I didn't see any. I didn't see any. But there's some other big news out there. Last night, I'm going to tell you what I don't normally do. Typically, here's my evening. When I'm doing work in our studio, um, I'll finish mid-evening I very seldom get to see Jesse's show. And uh, sometimes I get to see a little bit of Tucker Carlson. But I get in usually on a little more of Sean Hannity. And I, I listen to the beginning, normally, of Laura Ingram's show. Last night, in her prelude, whatever she calls it, the Ingram Angle, that's what he calls her, that's what she calls her little soliloquy at the beginning of her show. With everything going on around us, I thought the things that she had to say were so topical and so appropriate and so applicable to what we're seeing today. I thought you might want to hear it just in case you didn't. The Democrats had their narrative set right long before Biden was sworn into office. Theirs wasn't a story about how Americans would thrive or be safe and happy under Biden's policies. No, because their climate change obsession would deeply damage American families. They always knew that. Therefore, as kind of a preemptive measure, they decided to argue the negative, that electing Republicans in the future would be akin to electing terrorists who would seek to blow up our entire system. This is just an extraordinarily dangerous uh, course for Republicans to be taking in terms of our democracy. The Republican Party can no longer say that they don't agree with the insurrectionists, with the bigots, with the racists. There may now be people aligned with white supremacists who are in Congress. How, how do you protect the country from them? It could be that we have a Republican majority in Congress this fall. And if that happens, you may see Republicans in Congress wanting to cut the money to the Department of Justice to turn the lights out. We may lose our democracy. 
The attorney general issued ominous warnings. The top domestic violent extremist threat comes from racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists, specifically those who advocated for the superiority of the white race. They announced new task forces. I've decided to establish a domestic terrorism unit to augment our existing approach. This group of dedicated attorneys will focus on the domestic terrorism threat. And of course, especially after January 6th, the media never looked back. So Chicago could remain a killing field. More than 100,000 Americans could die from overdoses. China could plot against us in the Asian Pacific. And instead of covering any of that as it needs to be covered, the press focused almost singularly on vilifying the conservative movement with groundless smears about an insurrection that wasn't. And with the wheels coming off the Democratic Party because, you know, look, because of our crumbling economy, the January 6th mess is still all they've got. This week's hearing, the January 6th hearing, which surely are the most important hearings since Watergate. These hearings are going to be quite compelling. I think they understand the importance of leveraging live television um, to, to convince uh, the American public uh, how serious this was. We have this committee investigation coming up, which, again, if you really love America, if you believe in American democracy, if you're a patriot, you want to know what happened on January 6th. Oh, Joe, tell us about it. Now, first off, on its face, these allegations are ludicrous. The idea that that ragtag group of people who smashed their way into the Capitol, that they were the product of some organized effort orchestrated out of the West Wing, it's beyond ridiculous. If there was true evidence of any of that, we've already heard about it. Now, the moment I saw what was happening on Capitol Hill, I texted Mark Meadows, the chief of staff of the White House. I told him to ask the president to tell everyone to go home. I think I was the first person to do that, maybe one of the first. I knew it was going to hurt the cause. And I said the same thing publicly on Twitter throughout the afternoon and that night on The Angle. Now, it was obvious. A group of angry people had whipped up the crowd into a frenzy, and that's when things became violent. Now, we've always said that in any case, when laws are broken, perpetrators need to be punished, justice must be done without regard to politics. But that wasn't enough for the Democrats. They have attempted unsuccessfully, to use January 6th to indict the entire Republican Party and protect themselves. In other words, to insulate themselves from any accountability for the devastation they're currently wreaking upon America. Indeed, it is the Democrats and their far-left base that have been the ones terrorizing America these past few years. Now, we're never going to forget the wildings that masqueraded as protests. You believe that was America? And then, of course, Antifa attacking citizen journalists. Then there was BLM harassing innocent Americans. No 
Abortion fanatics besieging the homes of Supreme Court justices. Showing up at Joel Osteen's Lakewood Church in Texas. It's my body, my choice. It's my body, my choice. Overturn, go and if that underwear wasn't enough to terrify you, they're upping the ante by vandalizing the crisis pregnancy centers around the country. It started about a month ago in Madison, Wisconsin. We're investigating the fruits in, of hate and violence in the form of an arson, where a specific nonprofit group was targeted for their beliefs regarding the issue of abortion. And it continues to this day. This past weekend, a pregnancy crisis center in Washington, D.C.'s Capitol Hill neighborhood was vandalized with red paint, eggs, and a message reading, Jane says revenge. In Amherst, New York yesterday, more acts of terror. Compass Care Pregnancy Services Clinic had its windows broken. It was graffitied and set on fire. Police are investigating it as arson. Jane's Revenge is this group that's attempting uh, to, to, to strike fear into the hearts of pro-life service organizations to keep them uh, from providing care. The intent was for Compass Care to stop services. We won't stop. And when police officers in Asheville, North Carolina, called my next guest, Christy Brown, the executive director of Mountain Area Pregnancy Services, to tell her that the clinic she runs had been vandalized, they warned her that it was bad. When she got to the door of her clinic this morning, she found threatening messages sprayed in red paint on three sides of the building, and the sidewalk as well was broken with windows. Painted on the property were the messages, if abortions aren't safe, neither are you. We'll show that picture in a moment. Now understand, these homes are often run by volunteers, most of them are, who selflessly try to assist unwed, oftentimes scared, expectant mothers. These crisis pregnancy centers offer young women hope and compassion when they need it most. So think of how sick those are who threaten the sanctuary. How was any of this not a hate crime? Where are the congressional hearings? The Capitol Hill press conferences condemning the hate groups behind these threats? We know the answer. If you're pro-life, Democrats really don't think you deserve to be protected from hate. In fact, you deserve hate. Once again, the Democrats have gone so far left, they've left America. None of this is going to break through, I don't think, or make the slightest difference in November. Most regular people, I don't know, I'm getting the sense that they see January 6th as an awful aberration, not as the event that defines America or the Republican Party. But Democrats and their media minions, they're going full steam ahead. They're hoping for a runaway summer blockbuster, the definition of out of touch should include blowing countless millions of taxpayer dollars on partisan hearings when American moms still can't find baby formula. So the real terrorists are those seeking to overthrow every American tradition, from the apolitical nature of the Supreme Court to the sanctity of churches. And they're not doing it through democratic processes, but through intimidation, threats, and yes, even violence. When the Attorney General of the United States, along with the Director of the FBI of the United States, 
when they both ignore what you just heard, those, by the way, were riots from last year and the previous year in which they were tearing down monuments and burning down cities. Most of those people were affiliated with Antifa out on the West Coast and the rest of the nation, Black Lives Matter. Now put that in the context of what Christopher Ray, FBI director, and Merrick Garland, Attorney General, have said is the greatest threat in the United States. White supremacist or the threat. White supremacist. Now let me ask you this. And you can give an honest answer because you're going to know the answer when I tell you because if it would have happened, it had been plastered all over every broadcast news network as well as cable news network. White supremacist attacks on anybody. Can you think of one? I'm not talking about 20 years ago or even three or four. Right now, the Attorney General And the FBI director said, today, the greatest threat in America is white supremacy. That should give you a little pause to think. In other words, it doesn't matter that Black Lives Matter initiated and perpetrated over $100 million worth of damage in Minneapolis in the wake of the George Floyd killing. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happened in Rochester, New York, or Philadelphia, or the Chicago million-dollar mile. None of that matters. Why? Because that was perpetrated principally by Black Lives Matter. In Portland, Oregon, for weeks and weeks and weeks, every night, downtown Portland burned. The federal building there President Donald Trump had to send federal agents out there to post themselves every night to stop the federal building from being destroyed by Antifa. One person was actually killed by Antifa. Are they white supremacists? Most of the Antifa members are white, but they're not white supremacists. They're not anti-black people. But those mysterious people that wear the hoods and burn crosses in people's front yards, those people are the greatest threat to you, your children, your spouses, your friends, and me. Now put this in the context of who's saying that. The two people in this country that have the most power in law enforcement, period. Either one of these gentlemen can destroy your life with a telephone call. And I'm being serious. They can make you so miserable that you'll want to wish you were never born. I've seen it happen over and over and over again. Just look at the last year or so. Do you know today, today, well over a year after the January 6th insurrection at the U.S. Capitol, there are still people locked up in jail in Washington, D.C. They have no rights. 
Seriously, they're not giving any kind of consideration to these people that they're locking up. Many of them can't even see their attorneys or family members. And they, they get scant time out in the open. They're treated like the worst of the worst that have ever done anything wrong in the nation's history. No such thing as a speedy trial. I'll give you a personal relation. Mark Grennan, he's been on this show two or three times from a jail cell in Bogota, Colombia, where he and one of his sons were thrown in jail there at the behest of the United States Department of Justice. The other two sons were thrown in jail in Miami. You know why? Because they had for years been effectively promoting the use of chlorine dioxide to treat not just COVID-19, but a plethora of other illnesses very effectively documented in a professionally produced documentary. They'd been doing it around the world for more than a decade, effectively, as medical missionaries. Chlorine dioxide in the nation of Bolivia at the very beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. That nation made chlorine dioxide the go-to source to treat COVID, and they had hardly any COVID-19 in that nation. These are the kind of people that this government goes after with abandon. They just do it. Bogota, Colombia, the people there get a phone call from the United States Department of Justice, and they tell them, we need for you to go arrest this guy and his son that are down there treating people with COVID-19. That call was made at the behest of Dr. Anthony Fauci. Arrest him. Put him in jail. We'll tell you what we're going to do next. So what are the Columbia police going to do? This is the United States of America, the Department of Justice, making this phone call. They're going to do whatever they're asked to do. And so they did it. They did it. Two years ago. And Mark and one son are still in jail in Columbia. They can't get a speedy trial in federal court back in the United States. The two sons in Miami are in a federal prison there. They have no windows. They don't get to go outside. Their families can't visit them. And those sons there, and one in Colombia, their wives have all had babies since these guys have been in prison. They've never seen their babies. They haven't seen their wives since they've been thrown in jail. Two of them in the United States, two of them in Bogota, Colombia. Does that sound like the United States of America? Why isn't somebody picking up on this and plastering it out there for everybody to see and know about? The rule of law in this administration is dead. It is done. Nobody in government is enforcing the rule of law. Look at the two we mentioned. Christopher Ray, 
Christopher Ray is the guy who makes the decision about who they're going to investigate and go after. And when the FBI comes knocking on your door almost every time, they're going to find something to make your life miserable with, or they wouldn't be there. They're also the ones that you see that they just go out there and make big scenes when they arrest somebody before television cameras, getting in the news. We saw it happen last week. Peter Navarro, a consultant in the Trump administration, they could have arrested him for his alleged involvement in the January 6th insurrection. They could have arrested him at his home, but they waited till he left, got in the public, and then they arrested him, handcuffed him, put him in a car, take him to a holding cell, strip him down, did a cavity search, put him in leg chains, didn't give him any food or drink. Does that sound like the United States of America, the freest country on the planet? Not anything at all like that. So I'll get to the end of this by just asking you this question. What's going on? What is going on? Merrick Garland, Attorney General, every day when he wakes up, he knows for a fact during the night, several thousand illegals came into the United States at our southern border, doing so violating federal laws. The Attorney General, the chief law enforcement agency of the United States, those immigrants breaking federal laws, which he's supposed to prosecute. There is nothing in the U.S. Constitution that gives any law enforcement officer at the federal level the ability to not, or permission to not, hold people accountable, everybody accountable, when they break federal laws. Mayor Garland hasn't prosecuted one, not a single one. And while he's been Attorney General, more than two million of those have come across our southern border. You don't think he is committing impeachable offenses. We talk quite often about Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. He's got hands-on doing this, letting these two million come in here, waving them through. Yo, come on in. This is the United States of America. Now, let me blow your mind. You haven't heard this yet, I bet. The Department of Justice, Alejandro Mayorkas, Homeland Security, they have now told people at the southern border in law enforcement, including Border Patrol and ICE, don't turn a single illegal around. Let every one of them come in. Get them logged in. Give them temporary legal status and let them go. That was revealed last night. I'll say that again. Border Patrol agents, ICE agents have been told, quietly I'm sure, I didn't hear a single word about it on the news shows last night, they have said we are no longer going to prosecute anybody, deport anybody that comes across the border illegally 
every one of them is going to be welcomed. We're going to log them in, give them legal temporary status and letting them leave, letting them leave. What that, what does that mean now? They get turned over to these non-government organizations, these charitable organizations that, by the way, we're funding. The federal government is funding. They're writing big checks to them to take care of these people. This environment of lawlessness has never existed in the United States of America. It exists solely during the Joe Biden administration. So if, and I'm pretty sure that it will happen, if the House of Representatives becomes a majority of Republicans after the November elections, if that happens, that's where any federal official, if they're going to be impeached, it has to be initiated in the House of Representatives. Of course, Nancy Pelosi would never think about doing that. We can make a list, you and I. We've got several people that well deserve being impeached and removed. In fact, several of them should be prosecuted for suborning felonies every day. Who would those people be? The obvious. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Who else? How about CIA, uh, FBI Director Christopher Wray? How about Attorney General Merrick Garland? And don't forget President Joe Biden. They only thought that Donald Trump had done something that was impeachable that was so horrid he had to be removed from office and never allowed to come back again. You put whatever, the two impeachment trials that were perpetrated against Donald Trump, you put the allegations that they made against him, put that up about and against what we're seeing play out every day. Not alleged. It's before our every, our eyes every day, 24-7 lawlessness at the southern border. And all of these people are complicit in it. Every one of them. And every one of them swore an oath to the United States Constitution that they would protect and defend and uphold the rule of law. And none of them are doing any of that. They're doing exactly opposite. You think we're paying a price for that now? Oh my gosh. Just wait. Wait till the ripples begin to go out. There will be so much criminality across this nation. And I'm not saying these people are all criminals. I'm not. But we do know factually. We know factually. Tens of thousands that have come across have criminal backgrounds. And by the way, there have been tens of tens of tens of thousands of criminal acts already perpetrated against Americans by illegal aliens that have come across the border. And I use the illegal alien name. You know why I mention that? Because that's the verbiage in federal law. They don't like to call them illegal, (laughs) even though that's exactly what they are. What else is happening today? Believe it or not, there's a a lot of other things happening, many things we we need to get into. I don't know if you heard Matthew McConaughey Yesterday at the podium in the White House briefing room address 
everybody there about his opinion regarding gun control and gun violence and things that we can do and in his opinion we should do. We've got a little bit of that for you here today. There may be a small tidbit of humor in today's show coming from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. you got to hear this. We've got that and so much more. Newt Gingrich is going to be here today with Jesse Waters. So sit tight. Big show today. Thank you for being here at TNN Live. When it comes to online meetings, you're crushing it. But if you want to crush something that's a little more fun, why not play Best Fiends, the five-star rated puzzle game? Best Fiends is loaded with challenging puzzles that are so much fun. And you're never accidentally on mute. So take a stress break with the cutest characters on the planet and download Best Fiends for free from the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Play Best Fiends. Download free. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running, and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342. 529-8342. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive Yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. A little boogie this morning. I think after the story's beginning today, I think maybe we need a little bit of that. Well, guess what happened during the last break? It was revealed, arrested just moments ago, in front of Brett Kavanaugh's house. You know who Brett Kavanaugh is, Justice Kavanaugh. Protesters there. Which, by the way, protesting at a judge's house is a violation of federal law any place across America. They've been doing it since that leaked document came out regarding the pending, at least that's what the document looked like it said, pending overturn of Roe v. Wade. A man was arrested in front of Brett Kavanaugh's house with a knife and a gun. None of those people that have been breaking federal law, committing felonies, by even trying to intimidate a justice. And it's explicitly in federal law says that is illegal. It's a criminal act. Merrick Garland, 
If he's done anything, he's told them, go get him. Not one person has been arrested. And now we have a guy with a knife and a gun at Brett Kavanaugh's house. By the way, he has young children. Well, he's a Republican. He's a conservative. One of those evil conservatives. I'm not going to protect them. I mean, come on now. Merrick Garland, who was supposed to have a a seat on the Supreme Court, he was nominated by Barack Obama on Obama's way out of office. He never got into the Senate to have hearings to even be considered. Think about that mindset. What he's not doing so much is what he's not doing regarding enforcing laws, and he's the top guy to do that in the nation. How can these people even exist in political jobs by not doing their jobs? Nobody's holding anybody accountable. And overnight, some more news came out about the FBI. And it's not good news. It's bad news, I guess. What's going on, Dan? Well, Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan from Ohio. He, on The Laura Show, actually, last night, cited an anonymous decorated Iraq War veteran who is now credibly accusing the FBI of purging conservatives who work in the agency if they dare to question the left's narrative about January 6th. We're learning exclusively tonight, Jordan said, about what's going on inside the FBI. Whistleblowers have told the congressman that the agency is in full-blown retaliation mode, referring to what's going on as a purge of agency employees who hold conservative views. One employee reportedly had a security clearance taken away. Then he was indefinitely suspended from his duty, got his pay taken away. Why? He disagreed with the FBI guys up on the top floor with their January 6th narrative. Now, this specific FBI employee, what can you tell us more about him or her, Congressman Jordan? Well, he's a decorated Iraqi war veteran, Jim said, being run out of the FBI. His allegiance to the country's being questioned because he had the gall to say something that offended the FBI leadership about the January 6th investigation. The other individual is also having the same thing happen to them simply because on an anonymous questionnaire, they said something that the leadership disagreed with. And it was also about January 6th. And I would put, I would point out that we now have six agents come forward as whistleblowers, two on the school board's narrative, four now regarding January 6th. That's a concern to us in Congress, but we've had literally a half dozen FBI agents come to our committee. It's happening all over government. It's happening at the FBI. We know it's happening in our military with the whole stand down order. Remember in the spring of 2021 after January 6th, we have to make sure there are no unsavory people in our military. That was a warning shot that they fired across the bow for our young military men and women. 
Jordan said exactly. It's the weaponization of government against your political foes. The legacy of Attorney General Garland right now is the school board's issue. Writing the memo that treats moms and dads as domestic terrorists, that's the legacy thus far in his tenure as Attorney General. But this weaponization of government against your political foes is exactly what's going on. So much so that we had the Disinformation Governance Board, and but for your efforts, Laura, and others pointing this out, that might still be in operation. In the context here with the FBI, remember a few years ago they spied on President Trump? Then it was the actions they took against those parents regarding the school board situation. And then two whistleblowers last month coming forward who attended the January 6th rally on their own time with their wives didn't go into the Capitol, haven't been charged, but they've had their security clearance taken away from them, which is always the first step in termination. Again, one of those individuals was also a veteran in our armed forces. Yesterday, Congressman Jordan sent a letter to FBI Director Christopher Wray, and he outlined in it new allegations concerning the January 6th Capitol protest. Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler, this is the House Judiciary Committee, and Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horowitz were sent a copy. We're conducting oversight to ensure the FBI is not retaliating against FBI employees for exercising their First Amendment rights and engaging in disfavored political speech. We reiterate our earlier request for your personal assurance that the FBI will cooperate fully with the Department of Justice's Office of Inspector General's examination of these matters and for a briefing on the FBI's purge of employees holding disfavored viewpoints. The very fact that a member of Congress would feel, or anybody would feel it was necessary to write this kind of letter to the head of the Federal Bureau of Investigation and just remind him about what his job is. That's frightening to me. I've never had a run-in with the FBI. I know people who have. I have a really, really close friend who is a very high-up official in the FBI. He doesn't believe me. He doesn't... uh, He doesn't weigh in in that political ilk at all. And I can just say this, this petrifies him. And he's a lifer. He's been in for 30 years almost. He's been there through the really good. And he actually said this not long ago to me. He said, "This, this doesn't look like the FBI. Nothing that's going on now is like the FBI. It's become the political military arm of the Democrat Party. There's no other way to say it. It's not about what I think. It's about what you and me and the rest of the world are seeing with our own eyes. Don't talk about who you are. Show me by the way you live who you are. Christopher Wray, Merrick Garland, and many of the high-level people that work for them, the director of the FBI, 
and the Attorney General. They're not in this for the same things most of us are in for. They're not in, they're not doing what I'm doing, trying to preserve by bringing facts to the attention of people, everyday people like you and me, American people that don't have the benefit of a big cush job with political inciting abilities, being able to access people and things that everyday Americans could never even dream of. And in the middle of all of that, in the middle of everything else we have on our plates, we can't afford gasoline and groceries. Many Americans are having to choose between. Which one do we want this week, gasoline or groceries? I heard a story yesterday where there's a mom who every week since the shortage in baby food formula began to happen has five different stores that she has to go to to get enough baby food for her children. And this week she couldn't do it because she didn't have enough money to put gas in the car to be able to go make the five car or the five store run. We live at ground level where the rubber meets the roads. These people, oh my gosh. It's obviously true. They don't have a clue. Either that or they don't give a rip or maybe a combination of the two. I guess you heard or saw one of the best actors in the business, Matthew McConaughey. He, um, he made an appearance in the White House briefing yesterday. And normally you see Corrine Jean-Pierre used to be Jen Psaki at that podium. Yesterday it was Matthew McConaughey. We're going to give you a little bit. If you missed it, it, a lot of things during the day you missed just because it's during the day. I do too. Straight ahead, I want you to hear a little bit about Matthew McConaughey and what he had to say. Now listen, um, go into it with an open mind. If you're a Second Amendment advocate, which most people that listen to the show are, be open-minded. Listen for yourself. Now, up next. You found the light. You found TNN, the Truth News Network. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusion apply. Limited time offer. Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals... Better. Here's a tweet from Ed Itchy in Idaho. Hey Culligan, my laundry is so scratchy, I just cut myself on a cable knit sweater. Any suggestions? Hashtag send help. Hey Ed Itchy in Idaho, yes, the Culligan High Efficiency Water Softener will make that thing so soft it'll go from cable knit to cable knot. Itchy. Hashtag soft laundry. Hashtag already on the way. Get started for as little as $10 a month for six months at participating Culligan dealers. If you think we're just four wheels in a grill, think again. The Jeep Grand Cherokee redefines freedom. But what really makes Jeep? It's finding the perfect balance between luxury and adventure without ever compromising. It's driving across the country to see your family, to make new memories. 
So, what makes Jeep? You do. Jeep. There's only one. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. In a world where truth is in short supply, you have an abundance of it right here. TNN, the Truth News Network. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'd rather not hear the truth. I know, I know you can't go wrong by getting that as a starting point, but sometimes it makes me very, very uncomfortable. Sometimes it makes me very, very mad. And I got to be honest with you, the first few things we've been discussing here today, we're uh, 48 minutes into our show today, they make me both very uncomfortable and very angry. You know why? Because the people that aren't supposed to be doing these things are the very people that are doing these things. And they know better. And they know what they're doing is suborning criminality, which is illegal. And they're doing it at the federal level, which makes it a federal felony. And they're doing it with impunity. You know why? Because nobody gets busted. Look at what happened with former FBI Director James Comey. He lied before Congress, swore an oath, What is Congress doing right now? They've arrested two people because they refused to appear, which is not nearly as serious as lying under oath, which James Comey did on a couple of occasions. Plus, he violated confidentiality, federal confidentiality laws by turning over materials to a friend to purposely send it to the media to publish about former President Donald Trump and private meetings with President Trump, which is a violation of confidentiality. Also, felony acts. John Brennan, former CIA director, lied under oath before Congress twice. Nothing ever happened to him. No arrest. Nothing ever. Andrew McCabe, Peter Strzok, all of these people because they're leftists, they're Democrats, they're bulletproof. They can't be touched, or they could be, but the people that are in the position that are not only can do, should have done, did nothing. And of course, right now, the big conversation in the room, I think this is one of those things when somebody's screaming and hollering at you, waving their right hand around, and you're tempted to look at what they're doing with their hand, everything that's really going on They've got it in their left hand, behind their back, out of sight, thinking, I've got everybody looking at and thinking about and listening to what's happening up front when the reality, the bad stuff's going on behind my back and everybody doesn't see it. Matthew McConaughey is a Uvalde, Texas native. I didn't know that until yesterday. I knew he was a native Texan. He lives in Austin with his family now, or outside of Austin. That's one of his homes. He's got many homes, as he should. He's a well-compensated, really good actor. Nobody can question that. I just like I just like his demeanor in the movies in which he appears. So he, um, well, I'm going to shut up. This is a story from... Fox News in Austin. Included in it are some of the things that Matthew McConaughey said at the White House podium yesterday. 
to make the loss of these lives matter. Actor and Austinite Matthew McConaughey took the podium in Washington, D.C. to make an emotional plea for gun regulations after 19 kids and two teachers were killed in his hometown of Uvalde. We need to recognize that this time, it seems that something is different. McConaughey recounted how he, his wife, and kids spent time in Uvalde, with families sharing stories, tears, and memories of the victims killed. Alethea. She was one of the 19 children that were killed. He says 10-year-old Alethea Ramirez wanted to share her art with the world. Her father told McConaughey he promised to spoil his daughter and one day take her to SeaWorld. He didn't get spoiled his daughter. Alethea, she did not get to go to SeaWorld. McConaughey told the story of Mayete Rodriguez, his wife sitting close by holding Mayete's favorite green converse she wore all the time, with a hand-drawn heart on the toe signifying her love for nature and her drive to become a marine biologist. These are the same green converse on her feet that turned out to be the only clear evidence that could identify her after the shooting. How about that? Mm -hmm. And Ellie Garcia, who was looking forward to reading a Bible verse at an upcoming church service. But she never got to read it. Service on a Wednesday night. McConaughey says Uvalde was the town he was born in and the town where he learned responsible gun ownership. He called on lawmakers to rise above party affiliation and create policies for the sake of these lives lost at Robb Elementary. We need background checks. We need to raise the minimum age to purchase an AR-15 rifle to 21. We need a waiting period for those rifles. We need red flag laws and consequences for those who abuse them. These are reasonable, practical, tactical regulations to our nation, states, communities, schools, and homes. He says these regulations would not be a step back, but a step forward for the Second Amendment, a change that would in no way be a cure-all, but progress. We start by giving Alethea a chance to be spoiled by her dad. We start by giving Mate a chance to become a marine biologist. Start by giving Ellie a chance to read her Bible verse at the Wednesday night service. We start by giving Irma and Joe a chance to finish painting their house. We start by giving McKenna, Layla, Miranda, Nevaeh, Jose, Javier, Tesro, Helio, Eliana, Annabelle, Jackie, Azuya, JC, Jayla, Ava, Amory, and Lexi. We start by giving all of them our promise that their dreams are not going to be forgotten. Now, the House Judiciary Committee advanced a package of six bills last week called the Protecting Our Kids Act, aimed at reforming gun laws nationwide. Republicans say that would disarm law-abiding Americans and Texas State Senator John Cornyn, the leader for the GOP when it comes to gun reform negotiations in Washington, said on the Senate floor yesterday that he's working with Democrats to find a common ground to improve mental health intervention, school security, and background check systems without restricting Second Amendment rights. And Democrats say now is the time to act. And McConaughey says this isn't a political issue in the slightest. You can watch his entire speech on our website, fox 7 well, Matthew McConaughey, besides being a good actor, and 
I, I you know, I, I've watched the reruns of um, his full appearance before the White House press corps yesterday. I've watched it and seen bits of it again and again. My takeaway from that is a lot of it was acting, and I'm not even referencing the part where he got a real emotional. I'm going to assume, give him the benefit of the doubt, it was sincere. How could anybody possibly be talking about what happened and not be sincere about their concerns and their sorrow over what happened to those people, 21 of them killed by a single gunner. But remember there's YouTube. Everything anybody that is, you know, publicly important in every level, they're going to be appearing on YouTube videos for perpetuity. Matthew McConaughey is. 2018. Now, he lives in Austin, Texas, which is the most liberal city in the South. Austin, Texas. I looked for the YouTube video of it, and I couldn't find it before we went to air. But in 2018, he's got a bullhorn in his hand up in front of a crowd in Austin, Texas, and he's screaming for gun confiscation. So in this little diatribe yesterday, he's making it clearer. I am not, I am not against the Second Amendment. But what he did before speaks louder than what he said yesterday. I don't know which it is. And by the way, every single thing that he specifically said we need to do to curb gun violence in what you just heard, every single thing he said not a single one of them would have stopped what happened in Uvalde. Well, he couldn't have bought that gun. He wasn't 21 years old. He was 18 years old. If we made it illegal to buy a gun or make it where somebody couldn't buy an AR-15 or an AR-15 style weapon until they're 21, he wouldn't have been able to do it. No, he would have just gone and gotten another weapon, a shotgun. What's that song Taylor Swift sings? Haters gonna hate, killers gonna kill. Whether they have their weapon of choice in their hand to do it or they have to improvise, they're gonna move forward with it. I've said this through this whole mess the last week. I've said this a couple of times. More people are murdered every year with a hammer, far more than all of the gun killings put in one pile. So are we going to outlaw hammers? More people are killed with vehicles. Are we going to outlaw using vehicles? Of course not. I am not excusing anything that happened in Uvalde. Any gun crime that has ever been committed, it's wrong. And yes, there are things that should have been done in Uvalde that would have stopped it. That's the case in every shooting that has ever happened. Those things could and can be prevented. But taking guns away from law-abiding citizens in an attempt to do it, and by the way, it's been tried again and again and again, and it never works. It never works. But before we move on, 
I want to remind you, there is one sure thing that can be done to stop, not completely eliminate it, but stop most of the gun violence in this nation. What is that? I'm sad to say to do it, it would require the cooperation of Attorney General Merrick Garland and FBI Director Christopher Wray. Aggressively prosecute those who break the laws regarding every aspect of guns. Do you mean going door to door? No, 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 no. You could start with, uh, oh, let me think about it. How about the president's son, Hunter? He committed a felony. He bought a gun legally, a handgun. In 2017, an automatic handgun. Well, I mean, he's of age. He could do that. No, he wasn't supposed to do it. He lied on the background check form that was sent to the BATF because there's a section on it where you have to swear that you don't use drugs. And he lied about it, which is a felony, a federal felony. He should be prosecuted for it. And there are pictures of him waving that gun when he was butt naked, waving the gun. He was not supposed to have the gun. He was using a gun in a very unsafe fashion, which is against the law. You and I both know that's not going to happen. I'm just mentioning that to point to the greater good, which is enforce gun laws to the fullest extent of the law in every case. No free rides. I'm a gun owner, a lawful gun owner. I've never owned a gun illegally. But if I do something wrong with my gun, I expect to be prosecuted based upon the laws that I would have violated. I expect the same for everybody, including the president's son. And by the way, any member of the FBI or the Department of Justice. Any American, any non-American that is caught violating gun laws in any way need to be held accountable for it. If they would do that and get aggressive with it and let those gangs in Chicago that kill dozens every week, if they let them know, you better get out of Dodge, you better go somewhere else, you better come to us and turn in your illegal guns or we're going to catch you, prosecute you, and we may put you in jail and throw away the key. Whatever the maximum the law says we can do, we are going to stop your gun violence. You know what that would do? First of all, it would take a bunch of people off the street that are out there that could be doing more gun violence. But secondly, and maybe more importantly, it would send a message across this nation that nobody gets a free pass for breaking the law. Novel idea. Just thought of it while I was sitting here. Shouldn't they be doing that anyway? Should they have to wait for me to say it on TNN Live? That'll solve the gun crime? That's the only thing that will do it. I don't care if you make it a criminal offense for anybody to own a gun of any kind in this nation. 
you will not stop gun violence unless you hold everybody accountable that breaks existing gun laws. Secondly, if you try to do something like that, it will be tested, and it has numerous times, and when it gets to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court affirms the right of private ownership of guns. Period. Those red flag laws, I gave you an example of a real story that happened. Those won't work. And they will be weaponized by law enforcement agency people. Just like in that one instance, it was weaponized and people died. Everything that McConaughey mentioned has been tried, it's been tested, and it's failed. I would love to be able to say we're putting this gun violence thing behind us, Second Amendment thing behind us. But folks, we're just getting started. I guess you heard, you better grab some popcorn and soft drinks and get ready tomorrow night for a show on television. All the major networks, well, with the exception of Fox News. They're going to be televising the live, professionally produced hearings of the January 6th committee. They're going to show the world how complicit in what happened on January 6th is Donald Trump. And they're going to do it this week. They're going to do it next week. They they won't tell us when they're going to do it. But it's going to be several primetime shows. They hired the former president of ABC. (laughs) He's producing this thing. They're trying to make it like something like uh, a documentary. But all it is, it's a bunch of political thuggery. Nobody cross-examined any of the witnesses that appeared before that committee because it's it's non-partisan. It's just Democrats. Well, there are two so-called Republicans that are serving on it, but they're both Democrats. They're rhinos, Republican in name only. Adam Kinziger and the former vice president's daughter, Congresswoman from Wyoming. And they're both in the tank. They both despise Donald Trump. And they want to find something that they can pin on him that would prevent him from ever serving in office again. So one of those guys, those two Republicans, is Representative Alan Kinzinger. Adam is from Illinois. And there's a lot of hoo-ha up in the air about what's going to be allowed, what's going to be heard, who's going to say what. So Adam Kinzinger yesterday retweeted CNN's Brian Stelter, who's criticizing Fox News. Now, CNN criticizing Fox News. Brian Stelter do it. He does it every time he opens his mouth. So what he said that Kinzinger repeated blasting Fox News because they're not going to air the committee's hearing. Kinzinger, who serves on that committee, encouraged all journalists at the Fox network to quit their job because of their boss's refusal to air the hearings. If you work for Fox News and want to maintain your credibility as a journalist, now is a good time to speak out or quit. Enough is enough, he said. He made the comments in response to a tweet from Stelter who said that Fox was keeping their original programming on during tomorrow night's hearing 
on the January 6, 2021 Capitol riot. Fox News makes it official, Stelter said. It will not show Thursday's 1-6 hearing like all the other major networks. And then Stelter went after Tucker Carlson for allegedly promoting conspiracy theories about the events of the Capitol riot. He said, Tucker Carlson's show will air Thursday as usual. Carlson promotes conspiracy theories about the riot, calls the committee illegitimate, and ridicules the committee members, he said. Well, he's just he's just one of many Democrats. They're poised to use the hearings as a chance to implicate Republicans in the riots heading into the midterms. When these hearings are over, voters will know how irresponsibly complicit Republicans were in attempting to toss out their vote and just how far Republicans will go to gain power for themselves. That's from New York Democratic Representative Sean Patrick Maloney. I'm not going to watch it. It's not going to be anything but a sham. Let me tell you why. I am confident there was no structured, organized plan initiated by Donald Trump to do something illegal. You know how I know that? Because days before, Donald Trump himself reached out to the National Guard and requested 20,000 National Guardsmen to be in Washington, D.C. that day, January 6th. So there's a chain of command for those kind of things. And the President of the United States does not have uh, operating obligation or even privileges for the U.S. Capitol. That belongs to the House Speaker in in conversations with the... uh, the the majority leader in the Senate, which would be Chuck Schumer. And so they go through the they go through the uh, chain of command and it ends up at Nancy Pelosi's desk, the request, she refused to approve it. Muriel Bowser, the mayor of DC, also had a say so in it. She said absolutely no way. And so it boils down to this. And, and that has been proven Um, Joint Chiefs Chairman General Milley, he publicly stated, yes, that was the request that came from Donald Trump. 20,000. 20,000. That's a lot of people. And by the way, if those 20,000 had been there, there would have been no violence whatsoever. I can tell you. First of all, there would have been somebody standing there that these people that went a little bit crazy, some went really crazy, If they saw somebody standing there with automatic weapons in a uniform, in riot gear, uh, (laughs) I can't see them being that stupid. There was no pushback. In fact, we have video of Capitol Police moving barriers and waving these people into the inside of the Capitol. It's going to be a circus. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Some interesting, and I think good news, came out of my state overnight. Our state has now officially banned biological males from competing in women's sports. It's called the Fairness in Women's Sports Act. It was passed 
by the Republican-led state legislature became law after John Bell Edwards, our governor, agreed to neither approve nor veto the bill. In other words, if he doesn't take executive action, it's going to go into effect. Whether it's intended or not, the effect is to send a strong message to at least some of these young people that they shouldn't be who they think they are, who they believe they are, who they know they are. This is what the governor said. I find that very distressing. I do believe that we can do better than that. The law claimed that men have inherent physical advantages over women in sports, such as strength, speed, and endurance. It also argued that the much ballyhooed hormone therapy does little to nothing to curtail the physical advantages men enjoy. LGBTQ advocates naturally denounced the law as being transphobic. SB 44 is a direct attack on transgender youth that are trying their best to just be kids and fit in with and play alongside their peers. That came from the Human Rights Campaign. Trans kids, like all kids across the country, have said themselves that they play sports for the same reasons all kids do, to be part of a team, to learn discipline, and above all, to have fun with their friends. A majority of Americans overwhelmingly oppose transgender surgery for kids and puberty blockers for minors. Conducted by One Message Incorporated for the American Principles Project, a poll probed six Senate battleground states, Georgia, Arizona, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Nevada, and New Hampshire, and discovered that transgender radicalism is anything but a winning issue for Democrats. Asking respondents whether they would support puberty blockers, hormone treatment, or sex change surgeries on minors, over 56% said yes, 34% said no. A little over a third of those identified as Democrats, while 37% identified as Republicans, just under a quarter identified as independents. That's according to that particular survey. In another question in the same survey, The question was asked whether the people supported or were against children being pushed into a sex change. Around 63% of respondents agreed that children were too young for the decision. 22% of respondents believe that opposition to gender transitioning was transphobic. Let me just pull back for a second, go up to the 10,000 foot level. This is just one more thing in a pattern of this administration. This is culture law, culture rule, all of these things. Yeah, they're very, very important. And by the way, Caitlyn Jenner, a.k.a. Bruce Jenner, Olympic champion. Caitlyn Jenner said this. She went through the entire transition five years ago. Everything, surgery, Hormone treatment, the whole nine yards. Now, Caitlin is still a good athlete. Bruce was a phenomenal athlete in the current phase of their lives. This is really uncomfortable to say. You really don't know how to term it. Bruce was a he, and being politically correct, Caitlin is a she. He said, the hormone treatment thing, even surgery. He said, even after I went through that, he said, I can still hit a golf ball 290 yards. 
In other words, he's saying it's unfair for a biological man to compete with biological women, period. And our state legislature in Louisiana got it. They pushed away our governor and put it into effect. Our governor just basically says, I'm going to be politically correct and say, I don't agree with what they're doing, but I don't have say-so in it here, so it's going to be the way they want it to be in Louisiana. And I can tell you this, I have grandchildren that are all participating in athletics, all of them have been, and I've, they're, they're, every one of them are good athletes. And two of them are girls, twin girls that are 16. I don't want them competing in the sports that they choose to compete in against biological males because it's an uneven playing field. It, No matter what anybody says, there's no way you can justify it other than one thing coming up with an excuse to make it politically correct. Not because it's right, certainly not because it's wrong, but because it's a political chit that the politicians can play when it looks like it's going to benefit them in a political race. The new Amazon Echo has everyone asking Alexa for help. Alexa, what time is it? What the hell is wrong with this blasted thing? Amanda! But the latest technology isn't always easy to use for people of a certain age. These kids done bought me a busted machine again. On this! That's why Amazon partnered with AARP to present the new Amazon Echo Silver, the only smart speaker device designed specifically to be used by the greatest generation. It's super loud and responds to any name even remotely close to Alexa, so they can find out the weather. Allegra, what is the weather outside? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Huh? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Where? Outside. What about it? The temperature outside is 74 degrees and sunny. I don't know about that. The latest in sports. Clarissa, how many did old Satchel strike out last night? Satchel Paige died in 1982. How many he get? Satchel Paige is dead. He what now? Died. Who did? Satchel Paige. Oh. I don't know about that. Even local news and pop culture. Anita, what them boys up to across the street? They are just playing. They what now? They are just playing. You say they just playing now? Yes, they are just playing. I don't know about that. Compare it to smart devices like your thermostat. Alessandra, turn the heat up. The room is already 100 degrees. Are you trying to kill me, Alize? The new Amazon Echo Silver plays all the music they loved when they were young. Angela, play black jazz. Playing, uh... Jazz. It also has a quick scan feature to help them find things. Emilia, where did I put the phone? The phone is in your right hand. And it has an uh-huh feature for long rambling stories. So then I gave him five dollars, and he said I only gave him one dollar. Uh-huh. I said, I know I gave you a five. Uh-huh. Because I only had a five and a one only. Uh-huh. And this is the one dollar right here. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you tell me who's crazy. 
Amazon Echo Silver. Get yours today. I said get yours today. To order Amazon Echo Silver, send a check or money order to Amazon.com right now. That Amazon Echo commercial got a text from my good friend, Mr. Posey, <laughs> and he said, I really like that commercial. I do too. It's just so, it's just so funny to think, I mean, that could actually be true in real life, <laughs> a takeoff on Amazon Echo. How many times do you think nationwide people have heard that commercial play and how many Amazon Echo units Amazon has sold because of that. It just makes it relatable, doesn't it? Hey, listen, don't forget, anytime you want to go back and get a get a, a show, a TNN Live show, you can do it at multiple places. Uh, you can go to Truth, T, go to TNN Live at Truth Social. That's a new Donald Trump website. Also, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, iHeart Podcasts, TuneIn, Google, Stitcher, Facebook, and Getter, G-E-T-T-R, all of those places. You can go get this. Anytime you're on the road, maybe going to listen. You got a couple hours you're going to be driving, and you want to go back and grab one of the shows you may have missed. Stay in touch. Stay plugged in. And we appreciate you joining us when and from wherever you do. It's good to have you out there because you're interested in uh, chasing the same kind of things that we are, which are the facts. Top of the show, I told you we were going to check in with one of my favorite members of the House of Representatives, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She's a gorgeous woman. I mean, nobody could disagree with that. It's just the things she says and the way she says it and the way she acts. And she even had the gall a couple of months ago to actually say this publicly. The reason conservatives don't like her is because they want to date her, and she would never think about doing that. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, she's kind of dug herself into another little hole. She gets into this labeling, this identity politics stuff. They all do on the left. I got to be honest with you. I don't have time. I mean, if if I did everything that they say is politically correct when it comes to identifying and referencing people in conversation or in writing. I just have to lay down and die because I can't keep up with all of the terms. I mean, here, when I report uh, any anything to do with the LGBTQRXZY, I mean, I'm not making fun of it. I'm trying to say all of the letters in the correct the politically correct lingo because I don't want anybody to say I'm a homophobe or as Islamophobe or whatever phobe. She weighed in on the Latin X and the Latin E. I didn't even know there was such a thing as a Latin E. (laughs) Here's AOC. There are some politicians, including Democratic politicians, that rail against the term Latinx. And they're like, this is so bad. This is so bad for the party, like blah, blah, blah. 
And like, it's almost as though it has not struck some of these folks that another person's identity is not about your reelection prospects. Like, this is not about you. Second of all, if putting a little X on your campaign literature is what you think is the difference between winning or losing an election, you need to talk about healthcare more. You need to raise people's wages. You need to talk about more issues that also matter to people. There are, I'm asking you this question, are there really people out there that get hung up in that? Getting where you have to call somebody one thing or another? I mean, I get it. I'm not going to use the N-word in this conversation, but when I was growing up, we were being politically correct when we referred to an African-American person as being black. Negro before that. Those were the lingo that was put out into the marketplace to refer to black people. And it was tough to make the switch because it had been culturally the way to go, the things to say, and of course the things not to say in referencing them. Now we're, we're going down the same road with Latin X. Do you know what Latin E stands for? It's Latin people whose gender is fluid. I can't even keep up with the terminology, yet alone making sure it applies and I apply it in the right way to the right person. I don't want to offend anybody, but I got to be honest with you. I've said this before. You put lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig. You can't change that. I don't care what you label somebody regarding sex, regarding gender, all of those kind of things are set in biology. That is is science. And it doesn't matter what you want to call yourself or call somebody else. You are what you are biologically, period. And I've talked to multiple experts, medical experts, in every field you can imagine through my 30 years of being in healthcare. And every once in a while, this conversation comes up. And I always ask them, Can a person change their gender? I've never had one yet that gave any kind of inkling that it was even remotely possible. You can't change your gender. There's no amount of hormone therapy. There's no amount of surgery that any person can do or have done that is going to change what they biologically are. Period. I mean, they beat us up for two years. Anthony Fauci and everybody else in the CDC and the FDA say, follow the science, follow the science. You follow the science in this regard. It's set in stone, folks. They're either he's or they're she's. And that's it. If you want to self-identify as something else, that's between you and Who? God, I guess? I don't know. But you're not going to change your gender. It's impossible. And then again, it would make me wonder if it was possible and people would want to do it. But that's a story for another day. Well, the um, everybody on the left 
it should be no surprise to anybody. They're ramping it up, getting ready to go to war for the midterms. And one of the leaders has really stepped out of late and just gotten violent in reporting. That's MSNBC anchor Nicole Wallace. On her show Deadline, she made this statement yesterday. It's obvious, she said, domestic violent extremists were a part of the rights voting coalition. Now let's follow this through. NBC News national security contributor and former FBI assistant director Frank Fizzaluzzi, he said this on the show, on Nicole Wallace's show. There is another takeaway from today's domestic terrorism hearing, and that is, I think, the far-right position on domestic terrorism and any steps toward mitigating the threat really was encapsulated by Senator Ted Cruz. So she didn't even get to ask him, what are you talking about? He continued and said, you know, we had a long hearing today that really spent a valuable amount of time talking about white replacement theory and how radicalized people have become to violence from that. And then it's Ted's, Ted Cruz's turn. And what does he say in that context of radicalized rhetoric, violence, radicalization processes? He says three things. Ted said three things. Violence is really bad. People who are violent should be prosecuted. What he hinted there and what's been inferred from that is all violence is the same. We don't need any special laws to address violence. The guy who hits a guy over the head on the sidewalk is the same as somebody who shoots people up because they're black at the supermarket. Violence is violence. It's bad. Number two, hate's really bad. We should despise hate. Number three, here's the semicolon that's important. Number three, but we don't need the federal government controlling political ideology. So who's talking about political ideology here? We're talking about white replacement theory and violence. Now, white replacement theory is exactly political ideology. It doesn't exist in nature. (laughs) It's created and it's used as a weapon in political ideology war by the left. And then Frank kept going about Ted Cruz. He's equating that with political ideology that can't be controlled by the government. That's a message. White replacement theory has become political ideology. So Nicole Wallace said, Frank, if Mr. Whitfield's mother was killed by foreign terrorists, the Democrats and the Republicans on the committee would be promising him the moon. I mean, is it as obvious as it seems that domestic violent extremists or an important part of the voting coalition on the right. I mean, what is the structural impediment to pardoning the homeland against domestic violent extremism? And Figliuzzi said, so we heard the issues again ad nauseum today, which are important. There is a clear distinction in treating domestic terrorism as a threat because of the First Amendment, freedom of speech. We don't want a police ideology Horse hockey, 
That's me. Horse hockey. They, that's exactly not what they want to do. They do it. They're, police, they're policing ideology. Freedom of assembly. They don't want to get into that. We don't want to monitor people's discussions, chats, groups, backyard barbecues. We can't have that. So we seem to walk away from the whole issue because we seem unable to take on that challenge. But you're absolutely right. The threat is domestic. We should be treating it like an international terrorism. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up today is it just blows my mind. This is exactly what is happening across the board in every critical issue that we ever get to talk about on this show. It doesn't matter from top to bottom. If there is a way to politicize anything and then use that against a political opponent, the left find ways to do it. They give it these outrageous names that few understand that aren't of their own ilk, And, of course, what they've got is a little um, group of people. We ought to come up with a name for them. A group of people that are endowed and enlightened, and they're the only ones that have the truth and have the permission to spread the truth, or, excuse me, spread their truth to everybody else. And if you don't comply with their definitions of things, then you're a white supremacist. That's the only reason. Anybody could disagree with us as if they're domestic terrorists slash white supremacists. And it's not getting any better. Now let me blow your mind with another one. Guess what the White House did? The White House invited a student-run pro-abortion group to a policy briefing in the White House where an activist planned to list off their demands Generation Ratify, that's a pro-abortion, pro-LGBT. You know what? They messed up. They wrote this, just this, pro-LGBT. Ooh, they left out the end of it. That's sexist. That's homophobe. Generation Ratify, they're a pro-advocacy group. They posted to Instagram boasting about a Tuesday meeting they had at the White House. The group claimed that other youth-led gender justice organizations will join to discuss the importance of access to reproductive health care for young people. The executive director reportedly said in an internal stack, uh, excuse me, Slack message that the group plans to communicate their demands directly to White House staff belonging to the Office of Public Engagement and the Gender Policy Council. We have, in the Biden administration, a gender policy council. I didn't know that. I wonder what it takes to get hired in that position at the gender policy council. I'd love to listen in on that job interview, wouldn't you? Hmm. This director continued. Her last name is Cutter. This is the closest we've ever been to being able to communicate our demands and stories directly to the White House, Cutter said. Generation Ratify was created to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment and to advance gender equality in the United States of America. It's interesting. They use the term equality. Nowadays, the left doesn't use that anymore. It's gender equity. 
Equity is different from equality in that you and I can manipulate the definition of equity. Equality? Oh, it's just like the truth. It exists in a vacuum. What equality means is anything that's it's okay for you to pursue, it's okay for me to pursue. It's okay for everybody to pursue. The organization led nationwide school walkouts in a mass youth mobilization to defend abortion. It has 50 chapters, 50 nationwide. Parents Defending Education claims the group reaches thousands of students, including those as young as age 14. They're social justice activists. That's the only way you can term what they're doing. Slated to meet with Biden's newly created Gender Policy Council designed to advance gender equity and increase access to comprehensive health care, address health disparities, and promote sexual and reproductive health and rights to kids as young as 14. I just have a big problem with that. Stay out of our bedrooms, stay out of my kids' heads. All of that stuff we just talked about, that belongs to moms and dads, not to Joe Biden or anybody in his White House. So we talked just a bit about the January 6th committee and what they're up to, what they've been about, and what their plans are going forward. The timing for these public hearings, it's not, it's not uh, by accident. It's purposely been put off so that it can be in people's ears and eyes publicly, very publicly, in the run-up to the midterm elections. So outside of the January 6th debacle, Listen to what was announced yesterday. The House Oversight Committee Democrats have now launched an investigation into the gifts that former President Trump received while he was in office, claiming that he failed to account for thousands of dollars worth of gifts that he got from foreign officials. According to the committee, the January 6th committee, which is comprised of mostly House Oversight Committee, According to them, the former president appears to have flouted laws that require turning over any gift deemed to be worth more than $415, which is a long-standing practice based on the Emoluments Clause of the Constitution, which places limits on what the president can receive from foreign governments. Public reporting indicates that President Trump accepted multiple gifts from foreign sources in 2020, yet these gifts do not appear on the Department of State's public list as required. That's by Carolyn Maloney, Democrat of New York. She wrote that in a letter to the National Archives. These revelations raise concerns about the potential for undue influence over President Trump by foreign governments, which may have put the national security and foreign policy interest of the U.S. at risk, she said. The request comes following an April report in the New York Times detailing how the State Department was unable to track many of the gifts that Trump and others in his administration got during their final year in office. State Department officials have since told the committee that its gift vault was left in complete disarray by the Trump administration. Orange man bad. Everything that happened under the orange man's watch is bad and everybody in that is bad. 
Yet some of the gifts the prior administration failed to turn over were covered in media reports of its overseas trips. On a trip to India alone, Trump received a bust of Mahatma Gandhi, a marble replica of Gandhi's three monkeys statue, and a spinning wheel, along with other gifts, and everybody knew about it. The Department of State Office of Inspector General previously documented issues with Trump administration record-keeping of its gifts, writing in a report last year that a lack of accurate record-keeping and appropriate physical security controls contributed to the loss of various gifts. Oh my gosh, that left them unable to determine what happened to a rare $5,800 bottle of whiskey given to then-Secretary of State Mike Pompeo in 2019, as well as a 22-carat gold commemorative coin given to another State Department official. I can tell you what happened to the bottle of whiskey. They drank it. Oh my gosh, how could anybody, anybody get given a bottle of whiskey, how could they drink it? <laughs> Does it sound to you like it sounds to me? All these people, all these Democrats, they're running around in circles, pulling out their hair. And you know why? The American people have not summarily rejected Donald Trump. They don't understand it. They don't want to understand it. Many of them could understand it if they would just pull the scales off their eyes and look at the world, look at our world, the United States of America, everybody in it, everything going on through a prism of just the truth. If they would do that and quit trying to turn everything into a political chit for them to use in what they perceive to be a war with conservatives. They would get it, but they don't want to get it. Why? Because they don't like what they see. It runs exactly opposite of the way they, in government, have always thought it was supposed to be. All of these things are going to be interesting to watch. This January 6th committee is a nothing committee. And you and I both know, I mean, Adam Schiff is in the leadership of this committee, Representative Adam Schiff from California. His nickname is Leaker. Anything that comes out that gives him any kind of political advantage, even if his own mind, if it's not real, but in his own mind, oh, he's going to be out blasting it all over. He'll be on the Sunday talk shows Oh, let me tell you what we found out about Donald Trump. It would have been out there for weeks. For weeks, if not months. And so they're leaking these stories to the the fawning press, who are simply the mouthpieces for all the Democrats that are in power in the United States Congress, House and Senate. And the principal that's pulling the trigger on all of this is Nancy Pelosi, House Speaker. If they had anything, none of them could keep their mouths shut. They hate Donald Trump. They hate conservatives so bad. They're in a frenzy. They don't understand why Americans are leaning conservative now. Hmm. Why could that be? 
why could the American people actually be leaning towards becoming a conservative nation politically again? I'll just give you one thought. This is just my opinion. No way to factually determine it. But just based on everything I see and hear, everything I watch and see, I think it's because they know that they've messed up and they've lost their golden ticket. And Donald Trump, whoever they put up, the Democrats put up to run against him, should he make a determination to run in 2024? Anybody they put up against Trump is toast. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all natural, juicy, grass fed beef. Introducing the All Natural Burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. Car's all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but... Shouldn't there be more back and forth? You missed the drama, right? Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. Oh, it's a puppy. Not a puppy, a wolf. What now? He's a wolf. And that is its incredibly protective mother. You guys good? Yeah, we're good. Yep. Okay. Get the right car without all the drama. Cars.com. All drive, no drama. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, George Walker Bush, do solemnly swear. I, George Walker Bush, do solemnly swear. That I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. That I will faithfully execute the office of President Sorry. of the United States. Let me just get this. Hello. Hey. I was just thinking about you. Yes, I was. Uh-huh. Yes, I was. No, you were. That I will faithfully execute the office of president. <laughs> so, uh, what are you wearing? A president uh, of the United uh, States. <laughs> oh. Say, can I call you back? So help me God. No, so you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you. You hang up. So help me God. You hang Congratulations. up. It's President's Day, and everybody's getting in on the special offer from Verizon Wireless. For just $25 per month, get 1,500 anytime minutes, plus free long distance. Verizon Wireless. Join in. The Truth and Dan Newman goes together like beans and rice, brats and kraut, you and the future. TNN, The Truth News Network. You hang up. No, you hang up. <laughs> oh my gosh. We, we've got some good commercials around here, some funny ones, and you got to laugh every once in a while. As a matter of fact, in history, those are the ads, the television ads, radio ads through history, the ones that people remember are the ones that make you chuckle. Amazon Echo. <laughs> That's just one example. And this one, President's Day. Another one. Well, another little conundrum happening to the Biden administration. The White House defended 
Joe's strategic partnership with Saudi Arabia, saying President Biden wants to get peace with the country after bowing to make it a pariah state. During a Democrat presidential primary debate back in 2019, Joe promised to make the kingdom a global pariah due to his mistreatment of human beings, violation of international law, and open hostility to the United States, including the killing of a Washington Post journalist. We were going to, in fact, make Saudi Arabia pay the price and make them, in fact, the pariah that they are. That's what Joe said at the time. During the White House press briefing on Tuesday, Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre was asked whether the president still wants to make Saudi Arabia a pariah. Here's a quote from Jean-Pierre. He said, as president, he believes that if there is any, any way to get peace, he feels like he should take that, that direction. So Saudi Arabia has been a strategic partner of the United States for eight decades. Every president since FDR has met with Saudi leaders, and the president considers Saudi Arabia an important partner on a host of regional and global strategies, including other efforts to end the war in Yemen, contain Iran, and counterterrorism. Jean-Pierre added that Saudi pilots flew with ours in the war against ISIS, its Navy patrols with ours in the Red Sea and the Gulf, and U.S. military personnel are based in Saudi Arabia. As I've said, the president will meet with any leader if it serves the interest of the American people, she said. That's who he puts first. She added this, he believes engagement with Saudi leaders clearly meets that test, as has every president before him. When Donald Trump visited Saudi Arabia during his first foreign trip as president and didn't sour to the Arab nation after the killing of Saudi Arabia native and U.S.-based journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Jean-Pierre's remarks, that came right after the Washington Post and the New York Times together, last week reported that Biden would travel to Saudi Arabia later this month, even amid his repeated promises to hold the Saudis accountable for human rights violations. The White House and the President himself have said there is not a visit planned at this time but Sean Perry on Monday said there was a visit scheduled, but it wasn't moved or postponed, she said. It was that the reporting is actually not accurate. If you don't think it's right, raise your hand. Put them up high. I can't see you. Eh. <laughs> it's not looking good. For Kareem, her credibility, I mean, it was shot before she took the job. You know those days where she had to stand in for Jen Psaki when Psaki had COVID-19? Jean-Pierre, um, uh, Pierre, she could barely see over the top of the podium, and she was lost as a goose in almost every area. It just blows my mind how she could be tacked to be the White House press secretary. I just don't see it. In the middle of all of the chaos, the uncertainty, the fear, the lack of baby food, 
groceries not on the shelves in our grocery stores and the ones that are there, the prices are through the roof, gasoline out of sight, everything costs much, much more. Now the left is telling us in some areas of the nation, COVID-19 is coming back. We need to think about getting in masks permanently. Oh my gosh. In the middle of all of that, do you think anybody on the Democrat Party side, does anything they say or do ever resonate with common American people? Kind of like Democrat Senator Debbie Stabenow, who's from Michigan. She said yesterday that gas prices don't matter to hers because she drives an electric car, while millions of Americans feel the financial burden of record high gas prices. I came from the car business. Let me just say this. There are two ways, two ways to get money. You get it up front or you get it during or at the end, period. But in a business transaction where anything is changing hands, it's going to happen that way. There's going to be quid pro quo. It's going to be on the front or on the back every time. Stabenow's remarks came during the Senate Finance Committee hearing this week about Joe Biden's fiscal year 2023 budget. On the issue of gas prices, she said, after waiting for a long time to have enough chips in this country to finally get my electric vehicle, I got it and drove it from Michigan to here this last weekend and went by every single gas station, didn't matter how high it was. I'm looking forward to the opportunity for us to move to vehicles that aren't going to be dependent on the whims of the oil companies and the international markets, she added. Although the 25-year D.C. veteran has enough chips in this country to finally get an electric vehicle, a $56,000 car does not make financial sense for the typical Michigan resident where the average household income is just $59,234. Electric vehicles can also be inconvenient for families if you're going to take a bunch of road trips or people who commute back and forth to work. As the Wall Street Journal's Rachel Wolf detailed in an article titled, I rented an electric car for a four-day road trip. I spent more time charging it than I did sleeping. Stabenow's remarks came on the same day that gas prices hit this latest record high for the 10th consecutive day. It's right. It's just right there at $5 a gallon. I'm one of those kind of people. You know, I don't want gas prices to keep going up and up and up, but I'd love to see it just for a minute, maybe, you know, 20 or 30 minutes. Make it go up to $5 we'll always be able to say, hey, you remember when we paid five gallons for a tank of gas, $5 a gallon? It's going to happen. It will happen. And there won't be anything that you and I can do about it, at least not right now. Final story we're going to do today. Don't go anywhere. Hang with me. You know, there was, there was no cheating in the voting election process in 2020. We all know that. Donald Trump legally lost the race as Joe Biden legally won the race. Can't we just put it to bed? I mean, all these Republicans are going 
on and on and on, wah, 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 about voter fraud. There's no voter fraud, and if there was, it would just be a little bit so it wouldn't make any difference. A former U.S. congressman has pled guilty, did so yesterday, to several election fraud charges, including bribery and falsification of voting machines. Former Rep. Michael Myers, Democrat of Pennsylvania, admitted to bribing an election judge in Philly, Dominic DeMuro, to illegally add votes for certain candidates, including candidates for federal and state officers. Myers and DeMuro, who are both Democrats, supported fellow Democrat candidates. Myers would get the payments from the candidates by cash or check and send a portion of the funds to DeMuro. The judge of elections for the 39th Ward, 36th Division in South Philly, would then add fraudulent votes to Myers' claims. At Myers' direction, DeMuro would add these fraudulent votes to the totals during election day and then would later falsely certify that the voting machines resulted were accurate. That hunt took place during elections starting in 2014, going through 2018. Myers also admitted to conspiring to commit fraud with Barl Barron, a judge of elections for the 39th Ward, 2nd Division in Philly. Myers acknowledged during uh, directing Barron to add votes to candidates that he supported, including candidates for judicial office who had hired Myers. There wasn't any election fraud. Do you believe that? I mean, almost daily, at least once or twice a week, we hear or reporting to you cases of voter fraud in 2020. Oh, but there weren't enough to change the results. We don't know that because we know there was a lot of voter fraud. We just can't get our hands on how much it was. And you know what? That's exactly what they wanted. It's a wrap on the show today. Great show. Thank you for being here Wednesday. See you tomorrow, 9 Central, every Monday through Friday.